As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Man, I felt good, man. I just I just want to leave it all out the field, man. When I step on the field, I'm here to play. I'm here to be great. I'm here to give people what they want to see. I'm here to give it everything I got, man. I want to die out there in the field. So, I mean, that that stuff doesn't phase me. Sickness, I mean, I could have stomach virus. I could be pooping my pants and I still want to play. You know what I'm saying? That's just me. So, I mean, if I'm out there, man, I'm fully capable. I just want everybody to know that, like, just just let me go, you know? Who's been driving what you were like this week? No, I'm not. I wasn't proving myself this week. <laughs> And the only thing else I got to say is, how about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, indeed. Moving on from week three into week four, another division game for the Dallas Cowboys. They're playing the old Washington football team, Commanders. And we're here to preview it all and maybe get some post-game thoughts from Saad. Because he wasn't here, he was on Stars Duty last game. Welcome into About Them Cowboys on the Athletic Podcast Network. Make sure you're subscribed to The Athletic, theathletic.com slash About Them Cowboys. So you can get all of John Mishota's work, all of Sod's work, all of Bob Sturm's work on the Cowboys throughout the season and every other NFL team for that matter. I'm Kent Producing and joined by three of the best of the best when it comes to breaking down all things Dallas Cowboys. We've got Father John Mishota and Saad Yusuf from The Athletic and our friend, the host of the most. Kevin KT Turner. Hey, KT. Thank you very much, Kent. I really appreciate it. Let's get right to business because as the commanders tweeted uh, earlier today, it's Dallas week. So the commander's clearly thinking about the Cowboys. Uh, I haven't seen the Cowboys official uh, official account tweet. It's Washington week. So that's good. Um, not that the, the Washington, I don't know if they're worthy uh, of, of even the, of doing something like that. Now, John, we'll start with the quarterback, the the Carson actual Wentz? quarterback, Carson Wentz, Dak Prescott. Oh, no, no, okay, no. sorry. My I bad. thought you were going to say Cooper Rush, the the, no. the actual quarterback, Dak Prescott, uh, still not practicing. It does feel like there's a little momentum to him uh, getting some games in in the first half of October, though. Yeah. See, here's the thing. So he had the stitches removed on Monday. I mean, I saw him in the locker room. It didn't look like there's very much swelling left in his hand. 
I don't think he's that far away. I'm sure you guys seen the video pregame of him throwing. He obviously wasn't throwing full velocity or anything like that, but he's he's trending in the right direction. I don't think there's any way that he plays this Sunday, and I don't think it's a great chance he plays the following Sunday. I think it's on that path that we had talked about when, the, when it originally happened. That the best case scenario was probably that Eagles game, and now that best case scenario now seems like a realistic scenario. I, that's where I put that at right now, and frankly. Why wouldn't you give him the extra time? Why would you force him back right now? You know, I guess I could see a little bit of your all in three, uh, but they're not, and and they're and they're playing pretty well. And I, I don't see anything that's happened these first two games or last year against Minnesota to make you feel like you're not in a good spot playing at home with Cooper Rush as your starter for another week. It just it seems like these are easy decisions right now. This isn't going to be something. Uh, difficult until you get to the point where Dak's throwing every day and uh, the swelling is completely 100% gone. Like I said, I didn't, I haven't noticed any, but Mike McCarthy said today that there's still a little bit. So it's got to be, he's got to be able to grip the football and make all the throws he's going to have to throw in the game. And so that's probably still at least another week away, uh, maybe two. So I'm sticking with, I think the Eagles game is the one he comes back. I thought that makes sense, right? I mean, that's, I'm kind of in the boat now of let's just roll until you lose a game with Cooper Rush. And that may not be what the doctors would say. It's definitely not going to be what Dak's going to want to say, right? That but, would be hilarious if that's what the doctors said. They're looking yeah. like Mike McCarthy and Jerry Jones and Steven are sitting down with them, like ready to get like x-rays and, and, an, and an explanation medically. And he's like, you know, before we get into this, I just want you guys, Rush is playing pretty good. You might want to just roll with him until you lose a game. You know, hey Doc, shut up and show us the X-rays. Like, where are we at here? We don't. We're not even come to you for your football now. I'm sorry, go on. I just feel like you want him to be a full. Maybe you take those games against the Lions and the Bears after the Rams and Eagles, and use those as games that you know can maybe get some momentum going. Uh, let's let like Cooper Rush do something. No, I, I. Is it weird to feel that way? I mean, in the Dak's not going to allow that to happen. But you do have a weird situation. If you got to the Rams game and through the Rams game and still are winning, yeah. like at what point does it become, well, let's just going to see how this goes. Well, let's be honest. The thing that really helps all of this is the other side of the ball and just how good the defense is playing that you can win with what Cooper Rush is doing. It's not like he's thrown for 350 and four touchdowns in these wins. He's managing the game. He's not turning the ball over. Uh, he's getting the ball out quick. So he's not, you know, setting them up with very bad field position with a bunch of sacks. And so he's playing well within himself. He's not trying to, you know, do too much, obviously not having Michael Gallup, you know, James Washington out their receiving core isn't where it could be and probably should be, but he's doing enough with what he had. Didn't have Dalton Schultz on Sunday or on Monday night. So he's doing enough with what he has. And then the defense is picking up the rest. So that's going to, I, I think that totally works against Washington, probably works against Detroit. The Rams and Eagles are a little bit different story there, but I don't think that I would go about it that way. I think I'm I'm putting Dak out there as soon as he's ready to go and he's medically cleared and I'm seeing him make all the throws. But your point, KT, is not a bad one. And and if they did adopt that, which would basically be what happened, you know, in twenty sixteen, it's not the worst plan. Obviously things are going yeah. well and you're winning games. Why go against that? I just I don't get the sense that they're going to do that. Where are you on that side? 
Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think the 2016 comparison is an easy one to make, but again, Dak and Tony Romo back then, or Dak now and Tony Romo then, is just a wild, wildly different circumstances and different injuries as well. Um, it, it is kind of it is kind of interesting though. The injuries are kind of piling up on Dak, and they're not like you know anywhere near the magnitude of what Tony Romo was going through in 2015 and 16. But uh, but at the same time, like I, I think it's I think it's interesting. I, I I don't know about, you know, going the whole like go until you don't lose a game type thing. I think you only do that if it, if you're actually going to um if you're actually going to commit to the switch and, you know, not to not to go too far back, but I mean, look, we saw this with in 2001 with with the Patriots as well, right? Like the Patriots actually wanted Tom Brady, but they couldn't do it because Drew Bledsoe had a 100 million dollar contract. Um but they actually wanted that switch. Um, the Cowboys were comfortable with the switch to Dak. Um, I don't think that you look at Cooper Rush with all due respect. Like I think you think that, wow, you have a really good Chase Daniel on your hand. Like you don't look at him and go, you know, we have the next quarterback of the future. So with that, I think like you know, once Dak is ready, uh, you put him out there. I, you just don't have to rush him out there. I think that's the good thing. You know what really fascinates hey, 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 me. Hey, hey, nice. I see what you did there. You know what really fascinates me about <laughs> the whole uh, Cooper Rush situation is that I've heard many people mention, "Oh, if they loved him so much, they never would have released him and put him on the practice squad and, and let it be op- him open to sign with anybody." Well, he's a veteran, so he was going to stay with the Cowboys. That's where he wanted to be, so that didn't really matter. With that being and they said, that. with yeah, but with that being said. That won't happen again. They because can't here's the anymore. thing. If you go and put him out there now, Cooper Rush says he wants to stay in Kellen's offense, says he wants to stay as Dak's backup. Oh, well, now all of a sudden, I don't know, some random Tennessee Titans are like, yeah, you're not going to be our starter, but we're going to give you this amount of money. And the guy in front of you isn't necessarily got this job locked up for the next five to 10 years. Like maybe the guy you're playing with behind uh, in your current spot. Hey, just leaving it up to you. Let's see what you want. They're not going to allow him to, to be in that position now after doing this. So uh, I think the Chase Daniel thing's a pretty good comp. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's pretty fascinating because we never would have thought this uh, going into the season. That I mean, I th- I think Cooper Rush is a solid player, but you just go back to the preseason and he was on limited reps there because obviously they wanted to see more from Will Greer. And it's not like he blew you away with anything he was doing there. The thing that blows me away and impresses me most about Cooper Rush is what he's done in the big moments in the second half of these games. Both of these this year, the one in Minnesota, that's what separates him. Again, he's not 350 and four touchdowns, but when it's been nut cutting time, he's played his best football, and that's really impressive. It's a reminder to not take the preseason as seriously as maybe we do when it comes to analyzing, right? Because Cooper Rush, it's not going to look that great in the preseason when we're not running out any of the starting offensive line or hardly any of it out there, but just for, just for a funnel exercise. Cause I do think when you have a backup quarterback, you stay in reasonable expectations land. That's where you need to stay. We don't need to be jumping to either end of the ship here. Who would you rather have Cooper rush or Daniel Jones? Also Cooper rush or Carson Wentz. So I think I'd rather have Daniel Jones. Um, I think that in the right system, I think he there he he there's enough things that he does that that he intrigues me. Obviously, I don't want him over Dak or a lot of the other starters in the league, but in this scenario, I probably would take him. And the only reason I'm saying that 
is I got to give a lot of credit for my thinking on this to Mike McCarthy, because even going into the week last week, he did mention how Daniel Jones is in his third different system in New York. And when I use that analogy of the Cooper Rush going to Tennessee, did you know how do we know he would look as smooth there? Him being in the same system, knowing, and I think Cooper's super smart. And I thought it was interesting last week going into the game that Giants defensive coordinator Wink Martindale said that he looks at Cooper Rush as one of these guys that, hey, he'll be in the league for a, a long time. And at about 38, 39, you're going to see him as one of these offensive coordinators with a team and, and possibly a future head coach because you can just tell by watching him, he knows offenses and he specifically knows this offense. So it's hard to compare from team to team because everybody's running something different and the Giants have done no favors for Daniel Jones at all. So you're basically giving me uh, a talented player that – I'm going to say I'm committing to you and I'm going to structure some stuff around that, you know, you can you can kind of grow in. Uh, I think I would like his his upside there. Carson Wentz is a little bit different for me. Um, I, I just feel like I know what Carson Wentz is at now at this stage of his career. And maybe Daniel Jones is the same. I just would rather see a little bit more from Daniel Jones. Yeah. And with for me with Wentz, like the thing is, if Wentz was my backup, for example, um, I don't know, KT, if that's kind of the question is like, you know, would you have when, but but regardless, whether Wentz is my starter or backup in this scenario, I would just be worrying about whoever's behind him. If he's my backup, I'm worried about who my third string is because you know he also has had some durability issues where Daniel Jones hasn't. But I think I think what you know John's point is a good one, and 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 this is maybe a, a, a not not the best analogy, but I kind of think back to kind of you know like David Carr, like you know you can talk about how bad he was, he didn't pan out, whatever. But when you look at the situation that he was put in, you can't just straight up say that he was just a terrible quarterback in the same way that Jamarcus Russell was, for example, right? Like they're, they're two very different scenarios. And so when you do look at Daniel Jones and all the coordinators he's played with and just the general like talent level around him, like, yeah, I think it's, it's different the way that, you know, um, the way that he's been treated in his career. I think that's a really good point. And, and I, I think my uh, I, the observation I was kind of going with is more of the idea of just because your backup quarterback is 3-0, and uh, and I'm not being negative, I'm just saying here's some realities to this. The realities are you had six points in the first half. Uh, the realities are, you know, you could probably stumble and fall to Washington on Sunday just as much as you were you know, able to upset the Bengals. So it's easy to get excited about it, your backup quarterback actually doing something for you, which is rare in this league, to kind of get you in a good position to stay in the mix until you get Dak back. I also think like, hey, it's, uh, all it takes is one game of Cooper Rush playing poorly before every Cowboys fan has turned on him, and here we go, we're begging for Dak back. The fact that we're even playfully throwing around you know, quarterback controversy or ride the hot hand type stuff is – it's really just more fodder than anything. But I, oh, I, I let's think, stick like, with that for a second. That's an interesting yeah. point you made there, KT, because I don't think it's going to be just one bad start. They'll get the fans off the bandwagon. I really don't. I think that he's bought a lot of, again, we're not looking at him as this is, you're going to be your future franchise. We're looking at him just as a backup quarterback. I think, I think most Cowboys fans, even if he loses on Sunday, are going to be just fine with him being Dak's backup for the next three, four or five years. I think he's done enough to show you, Hey, He's a guy that can come in and win you a game or two. So even if he loses and they don't, or they lose and he doesn't look good uh, against Washington, the previous three games that he's won, I think have, have certainly bought him 
uh, some love. Again, no one's looking at him as the franchise guy. They're looking at him as a backup. Well, the next steps in his career trajectory are a, you know, in the market at backup quarterback competing with other backup quarterbacks for money, right? Or being a Marcus Mariota, Mitch Trubisky kind of one-year just band-aid quarterback like Ryan Fitzpatrick was with Washington last year. Nick, Nick you know, Foles. Those are the those are the possibilities for him to be that one-year band-aid quarterback. That's like it, it would have to keep getting better. I think he, I don't think he showed enough yet, but like those those are the things that are realistic opportunities for Cooper Rush moving forward. Not necessarily just staying here and being the backup because if, uh, if you got to pay five million dollars because. Um, uh, Arizona wants to give him uh, six million to be their backup. I'm just throwing out names. Um, then you're if you really want him that bad, you're going to have to pay seven million to keep him. Like that's it's where he's at with it being a free yeah. agent and all. Well, <laughs> yeah, I I I think I think KT to your point, we have to acknowledge that tier of quarterback. Like we talk about there, who is a starter who's a franchise quarterback, who's a backup quarterback. There's an entire tier of guys who are those stopgap guys, whether it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, Marcus Mariota, Tyrod Taylor was that way um, once he was kind of done in Buffalo. Um, you know, there's all these guys that once they go around, Brian Hoyer had had some time like that once he left New England, went to Houston and, you know, things like that. You have those guys who like you kind of view as just kind of like ushering in the next guy. Um, and, and I think, you know, that could... To me, I think that would be like his absolute ceiling. I'm not even saying he's there yet, but I'm just saying that to, for me, I would think that's my ceiling for Cooper Rush. You think his ceiling is being the starter for the rest of the season and leading the Cowboys to the Super Bowl like Foles did, the Eagles? <laughs> no, I, I, I don't, but I also didn't think he'd be 2-0. So I, what do I know? And I don't think you thought Foles would beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl or even make get the team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and then let's remember, let's not act like, let's not like Let's not act like he took over... Uh, like he's he's stepping into what the Bills are right now. The Eagles team was good, but yeah. the fact that they were able to get hot at the right time and they were able to ride the wave of how he was playing is just that I don't know. That's that one to me will always be just crazy. That was wild. And he all, did, that whole, he didn't just all of that was wild. <laughs> he didn't just win the Super Bowl. I think Tom Brady set like the record for most passing yards in a Super Bowl that that year yeah. or he was close to that record and like Nick Foles straight up like outduel Tom Brady. Yeah, I just that's the most <laughs> absurd. And then, you know what? You know what's the icing on the cake there is that it's like he goes to other teams and it goes right back to the Nick Foles. You, you know, there's no like, oh, he turned a corner now. What? Nope. He goes right back to whatever. I don't know. It's just that to me, I feel like it's a storyline that's not talked about enough. It's just crazy that I, that happened. I, I don't want to get too far off track here, but I do want to tell a quick story from that year because that year was the Super Bowls in Minnesota. And so it's 2017. And we're in the Mall of America. I was back with 105.3 The Fan at the time. So we're in the what, Mall what of America. What stores were you at? Uh, the MyPillow store. Just kidding. Um, they had a MyPillow store in the mall. That's why I said Build, that. Um, Build-A-Bear. Build-A-Bear. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff they had there. They had a, a place where you could... Oh, uh, oh, I've been get, in there. Have you rode the yeah, roller coaster? Yeah, there's a lot of crap in there, man. But like that's where we stayed. But honestly, it was like the nicest place we'd ever stayed when we were at the fan because we were at a nice place when we were staying on the same floor um, or couple floors as the Eagles, which is nuts that the Cowboys station would do that. Well, that Wednesday, 
I don't go do my show because I got sick. A little stomach bug was going around, right? And keep in mind who we're hanging out with, who are we touching elevators with, you know, every day. Uh, at, at bars, we were talking, we talked to Nick Foles and LeGarrette Blunt and some of those guys that night at the hotel bar there, okay? Right outside that little hotel bar, right by where those rooms are. That's so crazy. I get sick. And I can't go do my show because I don't want to get everyone on Radio Row sick, right? So I'm out one day, it's like just a stomach thing and it sucked. But, you know, what are you doing if you can't go anywhere because it's zero degrees? You can't go around the mall. So you're in your hotel room all day watching NFL Network. And see, NFL Network story pops up and it's like, yeah, like 11 Eagles players are sick. And I'm like, oh my God, I think I've got the Eagles sick. Like, I think I did this. (laughs) Like, I, now... You flew now, game now. <laughs> I might have gone up and down the hallway uh, rubbing door handles, but I did. I I also might not have. So you get the point, though. Like that was just a nuts. Sorry, this is a quick uh, quick story. Every time I'm reminded hey. about that Super Bowl, I remember about how the Eagles won despite me giving them the flu. Well, I'm glad that you brought that up because you having the flu and, and trying to play through it made yeah. me think of. Did you see that Micah Parsons quote after the game? Where he said, I'm here to play. I'm here to be great. I could have a stomach virus. I could be pooping my pants and I still want to (laughs) play. He said that right after the game. This dude is wild and I hope he never changes. I hope he stays the exact same. That's so good. He is amazing. Man, I, that's, I saw him say, uh, that's our new open from now on. (laughs) Every, every show. so good. Was it today or yesterday where he said, Look, it's uh, 17 games. Like NFL. Oh, he tweeted this. He tweeted this. Yeah, today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, let me, I guess, read it verbatim so I'm not being a jerk. That would be a good thing to do, right? Uh, And by the way, real quick on that before you do, Lawrence Taylor acknowledging Micah Parsons, pretty dope. That was also pretty cool. No, that is great. Now, here it is, Micah. Football's so hard because you have 17 days a year to put your life's work on display. There's nothing like football, I swear. Couldn't imagine wasting one of them 17 days. Dude, that is the type of guy you want there, you yeah. know, at all that's times. How I that feel about, just, that's how I feel about our game, our post-game podcast. We only got 17 of them, guys, dude. and I just feel like we do. We just knock yeah, them out yeah, of the You wish I was more like that, because I was like, I'll just go see the strokes. You guys handle it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I don't blame you, man. I don't blame you. Uh, I was talking about this with some athletic coworkers this week. Is Micah the best player in the league right now? I don't think so. But best player? Yeah. Does does one player make bi- a more of a difference than him besides Josh maybe Allen. Patrick Mahomes? I think Josh you have Allen, to be a quarterback. Couple, I think you have to be a couple a guys, but one yeah. dude just completely changing the the games. Yeah, four I mean, games in a row now. It seems like I will say this: if they keep. Doing what playing like they've played the last two weeks, and they go deep into the playoffs, and you know, let's say get to an NFC Championship game, and everything stays the way it is right now, where he's clearly the best player on the Dallas Cowboys. I'll entertain that. I, I will entertain that he might be the best player in the league, but it's got you got to go a lot longer than this. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm I, when I say Josh Allen, I'm just not when you talk about best player in the league, like it can't just be a fluke thing. So I wouldn't have said that about Josh Allen last year, maybe middle of the season when he's playing. But after seeing what he did all of last season and the way he started this season and just how good he has been, yeah, it's hard for me to put him past him. I mean, you can make the argument for really 
Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, uh, and 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 the Rogers. MVP and the yeah and the MVP yeah. award right now. If if you were voting for the MVP, Jalen Hurts would probably get more votes than Micah Parsons. Yeah, yeah, no, there's no doubt. Yeah, I mean, aside yeah. from quarter, I, is he? I mean, quarterbacks are easy. I bet you, if you look at the trying current to think of odds, one player that makes a bigger impact than him, that's not. Making I, that's a non a that's a non quarterback. Yeah, nobody. Yeah, Ma- non quarterback. It, it, it would be you. Aaron. Do- it would be Aaron Donald. That would be the only person right now that I would say is in the same category. And then, uh, yeah, that's the only one I can think of. Yeah, because I mean, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, if they're healthy, but uh, as of right now, no, no non quarterback. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe we overvalue quarterback. You know, maybe uh, maybe he maybe he deserves to be right higher I mean, on that Cooper list. Rush. I mean, I mean. What do you guys think about that devaluing Dak? And I've seen some chatter out here this week of Dalton Schultz stock going down with how how Hendershot and Ferguson have been playing. Yeah, I mean it's understandable. It's here's the deal: if you could have Dalton Schultz for a somewhat team friendly type deal, like we've talked about on here before, then he's not going anywhere. But some team is going to just give him the back, and I don't see him passing that up, nor should he. So. I think when they ultimately look at what he does for the team and what they might be able to get from the other tight ends, it's not saying those other guys are as good, but it's one of those things that, Hey, we get by with this and they're pretty, they're pretty good. And we like their upside and they're not taking up very much of the salary cap that we can use in other areas. So if, if, Hey, if they do want to use it in other areas, sometimes they just have salary cap and they don't use it in other areas. That's the part where it feels like the front office can sometimes shine. Um, if Ferguson comes in and can be what we kind of think he, uh, he'll, he will be, what Dalton Schultz was is proven that. And then you get a guy like Hendershot every now and then, or a, you know, even McEwen, like at times, like you feel like he fits that need. Good, I'm not uh, overestimating the roles of these guys. The roles are what they are. But like they do find those types, even Terrence Steele, who's been pretty good at right tackle, like, we should give them credit for that. You know, it almost looks well, like well, if you just it, want to talk about tight end. I mean, there is some similarities with the exact situation that they're in right now. Uh, it was pretty similar to a few years ago. I mean, you can't you look at Jake Ferguson and Peyton Hendershot and look at this kind of looks like Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin. Yeah. And it's not like those were significant investments. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's probably maybe why they, well, it's easy to say that. It might be why they're a little more hesitant to pay Dalton Schultz. Oh, I'm sure it was. Uh, long term. But like, yeah, it, we actually feel pretty good that we can handle this. The other part of the Schultz equation of giving them the franchise tags that you knew you were, if you're the Cowboys, you already, they knew, I shouldn't say you because we did, we wouldn't have done this, but they already knew they were moving on from Amari. So you needed another receiving option for Dak until you knew Michael yeah. Gallup wasn't going to be there to start the season. So you needed somebody, uh, some other sure-handed player that obviously has a good rapport with Dak Prescott, especially in big moments. So that factors in as well. As this season evolves, let's say Tolbert gets better. Let's say Michael Gallup keeps getting better as as he gets back and distances himself from that knee injury, and then and CD continues to emerge. The need for that, you know, franchise tag type paying top ten tight end, it won't be as great. And and you'll yeah. also be looking at if you're them, hey, we got we better have some money saved on the side for Micah and Trayvon Diggs and CD, et cetera. 
Yeah, and also, by the way, the way that they're approaching this tight end position is basically how they should have ap- approached their running back position two years wow. ago. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, like that's just like like look, you look at a player and you can't get like fascinated with his production in isolation or his draft slot. You have to just see straight up exactly what you know we're kind of outlining here is his replaceability, and and if his replaceability is, is at a certain level you should not be emptying or backing the truck up for them. Um, and they shouldn't have done that two, three years ago. And and I and hopefully they're learning their lesson and, and doing that now. You know, what's interesting about that is I don't think because I think because of this situation that happened, they won't be a team that's spending on running back for a while, whether it's free agency. Obviously, they're not doing it in free agency. But in the draft, I think because of how this worked out, the, the reaction to it will be that they don't spend significantly on the position for probably it'll probably be too long that they'll go because they're going to have so much PTSD from that. But yeah, as much as that, that salary would, would take up if Zeke is still running like 16 and 17, I can get past it. I can, because the the way this team is built with, with their offensive line, the way it continues where I think Dak is at his best. If, if Zeke was playing like that, I could totally see the value. Yes, you would be overpaying because it's a running back, but if he was still running at that level, then I could understand it a little bit more and than the player that we've seen, let's say, the last uh, three years. Yeah, and also, John, I think you and I were talking about this at the stadium a couple of weeks ago. I'm not, like, totally opposed to, like, you know, them spending a first or second round pick or something like that on a running back. It's more about if you do do that, you don't need to sign them to a second contract. Get those really good first two, three, four years and then move on. Like Zeke for on a rookie deal for what he provided was great, but then you can't get compelled like, well, well, we spent the number four overall pick on him and so we can't just let him go. It's just like you have to go into that knowing, and I'm not advocating for spending a first round pick on a running back. I don't think you should ever do that. But I'm saying if you did, like, you know, if you're Kansas City, for example, and you get uh, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, and like, you know, he's like a really good player for his rookie deal. When you have Patrick Mahomes and all these other weapons, just draft another Clyde Edwards Hilaire in the next time that you uh, that you have a draft in the late first round. But you don't need to give him a, a big contract. So I think that's kind of a different approach that they could take. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Yeah, I want to I want to skip ahead to uh, Michael Gallup uh, for a second, but uh, before we do that, I want to go back to this uh, NFL MVP thing that we were just talking about with Micah because I did pull up the the current odds. Uh, it is Jalen Hurts. I bet uh, you. I'm sorry, I bet you Micah's. Not, I bet you Micah's not in the top thirty. <laughs> uh, he's not in the top twenty five. I can tell you that much. Not in the top twenty five. Josh Allen would be number one. Then uh, Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts, and Pat Mahomes. Those are kind of the the odds I have. Uh, looking at and you get there. The only other defensive player I even see, I don't see see one actually. No defensive players in the top twenty. So, yeah, you know it's the that's and it's always going to be hard for for a a non quarterback to win that award. I think uh, if you look back all the way, the running back in twenty twelve 
was the last non-quarterback to win, Adrian Peterson. Last defensive player was Lawrence Taylor back in the 80s. So it kind of kind of makes it very difficult, but it's a fun conversation to have. Let one me, defensive let me just tackle, mention. one oh, sorry, linebacker in history. Well, the one defensive tackle in 1971, Alan Page of the Vikings, 46 quarterbacks, 18 running backs, one defensive tackle, one linebacker, one kicker are your NFL MVP award winners uh, by position there. So 46 quarterbacks, 18 running backs, no wide receivers, one well, DT, you, you, one linebacker, one kicker. Yeah, because you you can't win the MVP as a wide receiver because if you had a really yeah, good year, I'm not even so talking about quarterback. MVP. I'm talking about just a impact on a game, pass the eye test yeah. type, type yeah. of level, you know? Yeah. Uh, the only thing I want to say about the sad point on the just draft another running back thing, you can get into a spot, though, where you just don't find the right guy. Because, as an example, the Detroit Lions have been trying to draft running backs in the first, second round for a long time since Barry Sanders. And they still, people think they have him now. But, I mean, there's a lot Joint of Michael. Yeah, there's a lot. Well, he wasn't even a high draft. I'm talking, there's like a lot of Michael LaShore Richardson and, and Javid Bess and guys like that where you're taking them super high in the draft and they're just not panning out, whether it's injuries or whatever. So there is a little bit of that. And the reason why I bring that up is because I saw they highlighted uh, during the broadcast on Monday night how you look at what the Cowboys have done. If Tyler Smith keeps up doing what he's done, you just... Look across the league to how many teams draft offensive linemen in the first round and see how many hit the way that the Cowboys hit. With If Tyler Smith is, is who he has been through these first three games, you have Tyler Smith, Frederick, Martin, Tyron Smith. You know, in, in, a, in a decade, you've got all those guys. Like, it isn't as simple as just taking one in the first round. There's going to be a lot of busts that come with that. They've, they've just been very fortunate they drafted that the right way. So, yeah. You're not necessarily going to get another bell cow like Zeke, which is clearly what they wanted to build around. But even with that being said, I could see them drafting, just not giving that second big contract, like you said, Sod. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, Trent Richardson PTSD is uh, that right. I think that was that went around for the around the league for a little bit. You could even say Todd Gurley. He had a couple of good years, but it's still a top 10 pick that, you know, they just don't last long. It's fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, you, know, the, you, take you look it, at fantasy and I'm just like, Everybody talks about Christian McCaffrey, and it's like every time I look at the injury list and injury reports coming out, he's always has something. And yep. who are the other? Who are the well, other Jonathan top backs? Taylor ba- right, is another one. Jonathan Taylor. Here's the deal: the Colts, and, and same for Christian McCaffrey. The Colts and the Panthers are never in the red zone, so yeah. the, the the value that those guys ultimately end up giving you ends up being like running back twenty in the league, and they may go first. Like they're dealing with that in Tennessee right now. They yeah. can't get close. Derrick Henry's fine, but they're behind, so you're not using right. them as much as you would. Or you could be arguably the best pound-for-pound back in the league that the Cowboys just saw on Monday night, and you're on an awful team, and there's just only so much you can do. And also yeah. you have some issues staying healthy. And he still did all he could do to you know, uh, you know, know, score and, and, and make that game, you know, uh, well, put the game in, in jeopardy for the Cowboys, but they yeah. responded very well. Um so, so I want to go to uh, Michael Gallup real quick. Um, he said that, uh, you know, mentally not ready to go. Uh, physically ready, mentally not ready. I kind of have the same philosophy, well, a similar philosophy to what we were talking about earlier at quarterback. I don't necessarily think he has to play this Sunday. I mean, it would be great. Uh, I think it, it, he would be on a pitch count. But 
If he needed another week, I'd certainly rather have him against the Rams than I'd rather have him against the Commanders. Yeah, I think this is going to be the week. I mean, I did think last week was, and it and it was trending in that direction, but uh, in the days leading up to the game, it sounds like he didn't feel 100% confident with the knee. And there's a part of you that, that even if you've been an athlete at any level, if you've never you know experienced a serious injury, it's probably hard to wrap your head around. But I just always go back to the idea of, you tear your ACL for a fan. You're watching the game on Sunday and you, and you're just like, Oh, we're not gonna have Gallup for the rest of the season and probably the start of next season. Okay. Let's see what else we have on the team. But when you're Michael Gallup, you have to live with that every single day, all the rehab, the surgeries, all those. I mean, it's not like every day is just smooth. You're going to have setbacks. You're gonna have days where they didn't go as smooth. Then you got to get out on, onto the field and you have to feel confident. And, and the part that always stands out for me with these ACL injuries are, you just see so many of them. We can use Monday night's example, Sterling Shepard, where it's not like you did something crazy. You were just playing like you've played your entire life and your knee just gave out. It's not like you were, yeah. you know, oh, well, I blew out my knee because I decided to ride the skateboard off the roof of my house. Well, yeah, maybe you shouldn't <laughs> be doing that. But you're just literally playing. I always, because the one that will always, this is what made my mind change to think like this, because I'm, I've played much more basketball and football in my life is if you guys remember that Kevin Ware from Louisville, who on just a yeah. routine closeout, that bone comes out of your leg like that. How do you just, yeah, oh, go ahead and put that bone back in, and when this heals up in six months, I'll be ready to go. You, on a routine closeout that you've done a thousand times in your life, the bone came out of your leg and you had to see that? I don't understand how anybody's right after that. So I totally get the side of, a hey, mentally, give me another week. I need a little bit more time to make sure that I'm completely right and playing the way that I know that I can. So uh, I understand where he's coming from. I it, in Today was the first day we got to talk to him in, in a while, and he seemed to be in a good spot. So I think there's a good chance that this will be the game. But as you said, KT, I expect it to be on a pitch count. Yeah, and I think like just the addition of him changes the surface area that you're covering. And again, Noah Brown was good. Again, five catches on seven targets. C.D. Lamb, we know we know about the first half and the second second half. He he was awesome, but eight catches on twelve targets. The surface area, though, of covering this team changes when you add Michael Gallup, who has proven to be a guy who can go be a twenty yards per catch type of guy. Like it changes, I think, a lot of things about. And you think about Cooper Rush. It was almost like a thing, a little bit of a talking point as we were moving on uh, in the preseason. Like, oh, Will Greer's a little more of a wild card. He may run more. And he may take some more shots. And Cooper Rush is going to throw it where he needs to go. Cooper Rush has shown that he will look past the first and second option and throw it uh, to the third. Not every time. And maybe not as aggressive as we like sometimes. But we've seen Cooper Rush be able to not just hit the open guy. You know, and he's looking at the, the second or third read coming up and for a little bit of a bigger gain. He's shown that. I think that changes how you cover the Cowboys and could help the offense quite a bit, just his presence, because Gallup is known, uh, even though he can do it all, he, he's known as a guy who is a down-the-field threat. So, I, what, I was his, what, would his numbers, what would his numbers have looked like if CD catches that ball and then Jalen Tolbert <laughs> catches the one up the right sideline like that? I mean, those are both pretty good balls. Uh, McCarthy told us today that uh, – he, he said if you talk to Cooper about that throw to Tolbert where it looks like he kind of short-armed it that you mentioned, KT, after the game, Yeah, he said that he, he he didn't put enough air under it. You know, he kind of – it was a little too flat of a throw and for being guys that haven't played that much together. But when you see it on TV, you're just – man, if he hits that one and then 
CD just hauls in that. I don't know if he would have scored for sure, but I mean that's another fifty passing yards if he if he just hangs. I mean that ball was in a perfect spot. Yeah, no, it was great. And you know the the thing about all all that stuff is it's all it's it's a thing where like it's easy to freak out and go oh well Cooper Rush actually uh, played really great and like. I don't know, man. There's things that happens timing-wise and things like that. I think Kellen's been calling some pretty good games. A guy uh, tweeted out to me and you, John, about the idea of Mike McCarthy after week one saying he was going to help out with the offense more. Do we have any reason to believe that Mike McCarthy's been more involved than usual in the offensive game plan in the last two weeks? It, to me, it feels like all systems are the same as they've they've been. Uh, they are. I just think he wanted it to be a little bit more conservative and – in in that sense, I feel like that's more running the football and and maybe not being as flashy. And whether Kellen wants to do that or not, he has to when Cooper Rush becomes the quarterback. You know, it just it has yeah. to. There has to. You, there's just not going to be as many things that you can run. Um, he certainly make a lot of throws. Uh, I'm not taking anything away from him, but he's not going to be able to do as much offensively as Dak's going to be able to do. So there's certain things that you probably have to pare down. And, and and take out so that I think that factors in more than Mike McCarthy walking into the quarterback room or into just the offensive meeting room and saying no this is the plays we'll be running this week and this is how you will call them and this is how we're doing and believe me if he was going to do that it would have happened last season uh, when after the Denver game where they just went on that run where the offense just didn't look quite right at, for that back whatever month and a half two months of the season why wouldn't it have happened then? Why would it be just happening now? I think Cooper Rush stepping in out of necessity because Dak's out, that has a lot more to do with it than McCarthy, you know, saying this is how it's going to go. Yeah. And also I think, uh, I, I think the, the point about circumstances with the difference in quarterback is a good one because look, it Noah Brown is a good example of that too. I just don't think Noah Brown has the same kind of season that he's having right now. If Dak's the quarterback, it's not a slight to, to Dak. I think, I think there's another player, maybe Dalton Schultz or somebody else that's having a better season. I'm not saying that production is only because of that, but I think things do change. Play calls change, different players that are being starred change. Um, and I think, you know, that that's that's an example with Cooper Rush too. But I think, you know, KT, you're right. The way that he has uh, not just gone one, two, check down has been pretty impressive. And, uh, and especially because... We were criticizing his ar- the Cowboys' arsenal the entire preseason, and he's still making it work, and I think that's a good thing. That touchdown he threw to CD, it's not like you're making that throw in the middle of the game. You get down yeah. to the one-yard line, and it's got to come out quick because of the fact that you're only on whatever the one- or two-yard line. You don't have a lot of time to wait for a guy to get open. He's only got so much yardage in front of him before he's out of bounds. And man, I mean, obviously CD gets the credit because it's one handed, but that ball had to be right on the money. And it just, I don't know, when I watched that, it reminded me a lot of the Amari Cooper game winner against Minnesota. Different areas of the field, not exactly apples to apples, but getting in there, a pressure moment, big time, one throw, here we go. And like, I don't know, that that was pretty stunning for a backup NFL quarterback. I, I wouldn't have expected him to uh, be that on right away like that. So, yeah, that was impressive. Yeah, and real quick, I, the one other thought that I just had kind of like through three weeks kind of is uh, I think we got when we did our player tiers, I think we got CD right. Like when when you talk about never let him leave and like unquestioned number one, I think CD's on the way to proving that. Right. But I think, but I think you know, we put him just in that second tier where he's like star player, 
like guy that like, you know, absolute stud. Like I do think he's there and you see both of it sometimes, you know, from whether it's the targets that he had the first two weeks, some of the drop issues, but then the plays that he does make um, for him to hold on on that fourth down was, was a fantastic play too. Like you see all the stuff is there and you see him moving into that top tier, but I think we kind of nailed that. Yeah. And, and when I think of number one receivers, I think almost every team has a number one receiver just because who's your best receiver? Well, you're the number one guy, but to be a legit number one, I like to think of those as being one of, I don't know, maybe the top 10 receivers in the league. And he has the potential to do that because he showed you in the second half, but you can't put him in there because of what he did in the first half. The stuff in the first half can't happen if you want to be in that group. Devonte Adams isn't doing things like that. You know, DeAndre Hopkins, when healthy, uh, is not doing things like that. That's the that's the difference to get to that next tier. And he certainly has the ability and everything that you'd want to get there. Uh, and I'm wondering how much that second half will give him confidence building going forward because those first two games, first two games and and one half. They're probably, he just seemed like a guy that knew there was more pressure on him because he's the new number one Cowboys wide receiver. And maybe that second half is the one that kind of gets him in, into a groove and relaxes him a little bit. We know McCarthy likes to keep things pretty secretive, um, but we, how we feeling on Jason Peters at left guard, still probably not starting, would you assume, if you had to put money on it? Yeah, I don't think... Yeah, I don't think he'll start, and I think he'll be on another pitch count. I think he'll play more games. I mean, play more snaps than he did last week, but I don't think they're at the point conditioning-wise with him yet where they want to just put him out there and let him be the the, the starting left guard and, and play every snap. But if he keeps playing like he did Monday night and his conditioning's right, I don't see how that he isn't your starting left guard maybe in a, in a, in a week or two. In, they they ran we, well behind him. Yeah. Yeah. Now they, yeah. they did. And I know penalties, right? There you know, you get the, the, the drive killing penalties can't happen. Um, we should give them before we talk about the, a little bit about one, Washington. Oh, wait, here, one make, more thing about Peters. Again, I, yeah. I probably compare things to basketball too much, but there was always all the good coaches will tell you a key on defense is, is talking. And a lot of guys don't want to do that because it's kind of, it's not really cool. You're, oh, hey, look at this nerd yelling at all these defenses. And a lot of the great teams, I'm talking not just high school, college, whatever, but even at the pro level, usually have somebody on the back end that talks a lot on defense. And obviously he's not playing defense, but just watching Jason Peters on the sideline throughout that game, because I had heard that there was a good chance he was going to play at least 10, 15, maybe 20 snaps. So I often have my binoculars watch him. And he is that type of guy where he's constantly talking to different guys, telling them, Hey, this is what you got to do. Talking today in the locker room to Tyler Smith. He was saying that Peters is like that with him too. I mean, Tyler Smith is in such a good spot because he's got this guy. And then obviously Tyron Smith too, to learn from, you know, in the trenches, not just a coach, so Peters is helping more than just his on the field. So as long as he can get ramped up to being in, in complete football shape and ready to play a full game, that uh, that could be one of the best offseason signings the Cowboys have had in a while. Yeah, and and to your point, John, like uh, about that talking thing, uh, I did a whole story on this when I was still covering the Cowboys about Travis Frederick and, and how important that was to Dak um, to have Travis Frederick always – being super vocal, being out there, especially when Dak was breaking into the starting role. 
Tyron doesn't do that. Like he's super talented. It's just not his thing. He doesn't do that. Um, Zach Martin also not super, super vocal in there. Travis Frederick was the one that was always with Dak calling things out and things like that. It's not even just between offensive linemen, but even with the quarterback. And when I, I remember I did that story when Travis was playing, but then the next year I did it with Joe Looney and, uh, and Dak said like, he was like, no disrespect to Joe Looney who was playing fine, but but Dak missed that. So I think that's a really good point that that does make a difference. Yeah. And it feels like that was such a talking point for years, especially on road games too, where communication broken down. And I think some of those things fell at the feet of Paul Alexander, or some of those things might fall at the feet of Frank Pollock, you know, and things like that. But there's a big difference in having that guy who's willing to be that way, be loud and proud and, know what the hell he's talking about. I mean, it's, it's invaluable. And uh, I, I imagine he was having second and third thoughts about even coming here after you find out that Dak broke his thumb, you know, and the things that went after after week one. And, you know, I feel like they're in pretty good shape here with him. Stuff uh, I've heard that? behind the scenes, man, is he was raring to go. He wanted to – he liked the idea of finishing his, his career in Dallas – and was was open to even if it's not left tackle, I'm willing to play another another position. I don't That's think center. Awesome. I don't think center was on the line, but you know anything yeah. else. Uh, and and you probably don't figure you're ever gonna have to play right guard because of Zach. But uh, he was pretty open to anything. He just really liked the idea of of finishing his career in Dallas and uh, being able to help some of the younger guys. And I don't know if he had a lot of opportunities from other teams, and so he seemed. From everything I've heard, he seemed like it, he was really eager to, to to sign with them when they when Tyron went down. That it was okay. Yeah, let's go. I, I want to be quick here, and then we'll do our picks for Washington uh, because we dog it when it cost us or cost the team. Kevontae Turpin, Dorrance Armstrong with the block field goal, Kelvin Joseph even uh, making a, a player two as a gunner. Special teams should get some credit, and I don't think we got to that on the post game podcast. But we should give credit when it's due there, and not just uh, kill kill them when it uh, ends up hurting them. Has Bones gotten less reckless or less risky? I should say. Uh, it's I would too never early to tell. Yeah, I would never say that because um, he certainly <laughs> leans to the risk side for sure. I would say no they doubt. probably don't need to take as many any as many risks. I mean, when Dak goes down and. Uh, you know, you got a new coaching staff and everything in 2020, you can do a lot more watermelon kicks because you probably know that you don't have the horses to win a lot of these games straight up. I think they now feel really confident in the plan that they have. This coaching staff has been together now here for a few years. You know, they got the core group of the team knows what they have to do. So I think there's probably a little bit of less of that. And then also when you have a returner like Cavante Turpin, I don't think you have to be as cute because you know if everybody just does their job, he's got a chance to break one. So I think that's a big part of it. And also when you mentioned the special teams, Brian Anger to me is kind of in that little bit of that Dan Bailey category where you kind of just get used to him doing his job well and almost take it for granted. But that even his last punt to get him, I think it was right inside the 10, might've been down on the 10. I thought that was huge too, because it was going to make the Giants have to go 90 yards uh, against that Cowboys defense uh, with Daniel Jones having the throw. And that's, I mean, that's a recipe you like a lot. Yeah, I think Turpin for sure is someone that has stood out in the last two games. Um, and, and I think that's that's a positive sign. But to John, question to you, just building off of Kent's question, 
uh, about about bones. Um, may is it McCarthy maybe being a little bit like you know holding in the reins? Like for example, because the play that comes to my mind is that fourth and two, fourth and three uh, last week against the Bengals, and I feel like. Fossil would love to run a fake punt and do something crazy there if you're going to go for it. But does McCarthy just say, you know what, even with Cooper Rush, just keep the offense on the field and do this, do this straight up. Like you said, confidence in your, in your team. Um, Cause I'm sure Fossil would be like, yeah, shoot, let's run some weird fake punt type thing. Yeah. I think I, I felt like, especially early in the game uh, last week, the uh, Cincinnati game, I felt like, that was more of a, I got confidence in you guys by Mike McCarthy. You guys go out there and get this. Whereas when you do that with special teams, it's almost like, yeah, I got confidence we can possibly get down there if we run some trick stuff. I think that that's him showing, hey, I got trust in you guys. Hey, fourth and four on our side of the field. Let's go. Let's go. If, if we don't get it, there's obviously still a lot of game to go here. I, I'm going to show you guys how confident I how confident I am in you. And then he did it again. Uh, in, in this Giants game. I think that's what it was more about than there just seemed like there was more desperation in 2020. You know what I was thinking would have been a perfect opportunity for a fake punt would have been on the re-kick. Oh, when the punt just, hits the big board? Yeah. 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 Everyone's just yeah. like expecting a re-kick, like it's just a simple, oh, give him, give it to him back, let him do it again. And then you just swerve him with a, with a fake. I, I don't remember what the down and distance was there, but that, yeah, that's not I feel like bad. it was fourth and two, wasn't it? Yeah. They were, they were pretty far down in their own. In their own zone, if I remember correctly. I, re- I yeah. remember thinking, gosh, now I'm getting the games mixed up. I remember thinking, no, this is this was the Bengals game. Um, thinking because uh, there was a r- running into the kicker. I think that happened. It was on a fourth and ten, I believe, in the Bengals game. Yeah, it was running into the kicker that happened. And I was like, here goes this stadium again. Is going to cost this this uh, Cowboys team because. Because you run it back and then you commit a penalty and then it's like, ah, oh, man, if the punt just wouldn't have hit the board the first time, then. But it ended up, you know, just being a running into the kicker, not a roughing. But so I'm not a huge fan. I'm not a huge fan of the fake punts um, in pro football. College, I think they can be huge momentum swings, and you can really catch some teams. And in pros, I'd rather just, unless you're one of the worst teams in the league, which the Cowboys are not. I don't really, I don't really love that idea. So, what might be going on here is maybe it also could be that anger doesn't throw the ball well. You know, when you give when you give fossil Johnny Hecker who can throw the ball, that's going to open up a lot more things. But if during practice you're running this trick play, let's say five reps on it, and three of the balls I just go sailing out of bounds and they're just awful, yeah, or ones that you really aren't trusting there, you're going to go and call that in the game. So how many times can you do see when you or even when you have like a Cedric Wilson because he can, you know, he's got a pretty good arm and he can throw the ball. He might not have the guys that he feels as confident with. But I also, uh, on the returns, I feel like he's being a little bit safer because if you just do your job, there's a chance any time that as long as Turpin can get a little bit of space, he's got a chance to give you a big return. So I don't know. I mean, I, that's that's an interesting thing. I wonder how many how many like Cowboys fans love the idea of the of those fake punts when they were happening because I I don't know. I, I get it if it's desperation late in a game, but I, I I'm just not a huge fake punt fan. Yeah, one thing I'll say just for uh, putting it out there if we see it later in the season, I feel with no inside information that we're going to see some trickery on a punt return at some point. Like, yeah, you know, oh, where, 
where you like yeah. where you think like someone is returning the punt on that side of the field and then Turpin's like or Turpin's returning on that on one side of the field and all of a sudden the ball is going to the other side and Tony Pollard is catching and running alone down the sideline like I feel like that's where there's going to be some trickery at some point I'm not I'm not for it if they're down yeah. a bunch and everyone expects it and they're like watch for the yeah. fake here and then they do it and fail I hate that but I love it if you're playing with confidence and you throw it out of nowhere and it's least in, and you know, St. Super Bowl situation, it's like, yeah. what was that? Oh my God. You know, I love it when you use it correctly. So you're saying that you're going to be fine with it when they do it in like the third quarter against the Bills in the Super Bowl? <laughs> if they're ahead and they get it, if they get it, yeah. No, you're right, Sando. Uh, <laughs> Hindsight I mean, will prove that one. <laughs> Tur- Turpin thrown to Pollard makes a ton of sense. I do like the point, like the question, like Bryce Anger, like Chris Jones could throw. Like, Chris Jones mm, yeah. had a, a background of playing quarterback. Right. And we don't know that about Bryce Singer. I also think later on in the season, see how things are going. We'll see how desperate things get when you have a head coach that we already know is on a hot seat. So, you know, we can reevaluate that later. Maybe you do start to see that get pulled out of that rabbit pulled out of the box a little uh, more often than uh, it'll happen when you're urgent. Right now, I think the mode is let's keep these games close. Let's see if Cooper Rush can can do some miracle work. I mean, I think that's that's kind of where they're at. Although, you know, Cowboys went three and a half point favorites at home already on a Washington team that I would argue, even though he's definitely seeing ghost right now, I would argue Carson Wentz is a better quarterback than Cooper Rush. I'll tell you what, Washington's got a better receiving option uh, or has better receiving options than the Giants have. Uh, obviously, we'd take Saquon, but you look at, Antonio Gibson's a good player who they will throw it to. They'll throw it to J.D. McKissick. Uh, Terry McLaurin is a very good player. He's averaging 20 yards a catch. But he's only got 12 catches so far. They haven't been able to get it to him. They will use Curtis Samuel uh, a ton in, in many different ways. So he's very dangerous. Um, Logan Thomas, when he's healthy, he's a, a very solid tight end. The problem is Carson Wentz holds on to the ball forever. And if you're going to hold on to the ball forever and not look down the field and look at the pressure in your face, well, then Micah Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence and Dorrance Armstrong and Sam Williams have been getting close. Those guys are going to eat you up. So I do think that the game plan will be very noticeable. Get the ball out of Carson Wentz's hands. Probably try to run the ball. You're going to see all that stuff because they're coming off the embarrassing nine-sack game. But, man, I mean, this is – just another week where you got you got to feel like the Cowboys are like, well, we got a chance to to get a guy here, just like they had with Joe Burrow. Like this kind of feels like that all over again. Well, but yeah, Burrow was coming off of a game with a lot of sacks too, and seven, I believe. Yeah, and I don't think that that affected him. Plus, he's one of the top probably five quarterbacks in the league. The thing with Wentz is you might not even get the sacks, but you might just get him in the head to where he's thinking I got to get this ball out super quick. And he makes some bad decisions because of that, because he doesn't want to have another game where he gets sacked as many times. And obviously he knows how good this Cowboys front is at getting pressure. So just the idea of Micah moving around Lawrence coming off the game, he played, you mentioned Dorrance Armstrong, Anthony Barr, you know, they got a nice rotation there of, of edge rushers that it could speed up his clock. And if that happens, Maybe this is the game where they they finally break out with the takeaways and, and get you know two or three. All right, picks. Who wants to do picks? Let's see. I'm looking at my record sheet here. 
The only person to pick the Giants last week was Saad Youssef. Saad, and you were you were actually covering the stars, so you, you texted me your pick. So thanks for doing that on the fly. We're going to let you start this week. Yeah, uh, I think, you know, here's a little fun fact of, do you know who the top three teams are right now in the NFL in sacks allowed? I do, but oh, that's I, just because I live on Twitter, so I'm not going to participate. The Cowboys okay. have to be up there because they've had two weeks no, no, in a no. row where Cooper Rush wasn't talked, uh, wasn't touched. No, allowed. Yeah, like which teams have been, sacks allowed? Teams like, have had their yeah, quarterback sacked the most. Um, yeah, number three uh, is number three is the Giants, who the Cowboys just beat. Number two is the Bengals, who they beat before that, and number one is the Commanders, who I believe they're going to beat this week. Um, so I, I'm going to take. The Cowboys to win 23-13. All right. I'll go next. And I do want to say, like, it was very unfair to Dak that Dak didn't get to sit back in a clean pocket against the Giants and the Bengals. Uh, because I wonder if that all the concerns about the offense are quelled a little bit. Dude, that Tampa Bay defense is good. So uh, a lot of pressure on week one. Uh, I, I'm – in that same area, I actually wrote down 24 to 17. Um, I think it's just another situation where I don't see this team racking up 30 plus points with Cooper Rush um, in the current offensive arsenal, but I think it's enough. And I, I, I think it's, you know, Washington quit last week. That's something, it so did Philadelphia in the second half when they were up 24 nothing. But Washington quit. They didn't play hard. And I, I feel like there may be some bigger things going on there, but I didn't think they have enough. People on offense that they can actually make a few things happen. So 24-17 Cowboys for me. Uh, let's go to Kent. Yeah, I was kind of right around there. 27-17. I think uh, Cooper's got a little confidence in the offense after last week. You know, a little chemistry with CD. You know, Noah Brown still doing things. So uh, I'm thinking a little more a little more points this time. 27-17. All right. The Cowboys. And John. I'm going to go Cowboys 21-14. When you say, KT, that there's just something not right about Washington, I think it's the quarterback. Um, I I wonder how many games it takes before the, the team loses confidence in a guy uh, just because of what his track record has been over the last few years. So if things keep going in that direction, maybe we even see – Taylor Heineke in this game, who knows? But uh, if Carson Wentz has a huge game and, and plays one of his better games the last three or four years, Washington could definitely win this game. I just don't see him doing that. You know, it, it's weird. There we are. We all picked the Cowboys there. It does have that possibility, though, of the, and this is the NFC East in general, where it's like sometimes when the schedule comes out, you go, yeah, we always end up kind of splitting with some of these teams. It does have that that chance to be that game, but I, I you know, I, I think I feel way different about the game. I, I feel way different about the pick and, and going into this week than I felt at halftime on Monday night. At halftime Monday night, I was like, we just dominated a game and are only winning by three points. And that can't happen. And those little things could bite you, but taking advantage of some guys being out, Chase Young and things like that as well. So I'm with you. There it is. We all picked the Cowboys to win. We all picked the score to kind of be in those low 20s. So have a little fun. Uh, we'll be back on Sunday afternoon. we got a nooner at home. 
um, this week. The rare noon Cowboys game. You don't get a lot of those anymore. Um, so make sure you're following John all week long. Star season shifting into gear as well for all you hockey heads out there. So make sure you're following side with that as well. And Kent Garrison is rocking on as usual, producing this and many other shows on The Athletic. For Kent, for John, for Sod, I'm KT. This has been another episode of About Them Cowboys. Bye. I could be pooping my pants and I still want to play. <laughs>